So this teaching or drush is going to be all about what is worship. Now, like always, if you go down below in the description, whether you're watching on video or listening on a podcast, down below in the description is a link to the post for this drush. And there, if you go to that post, you can find not only the on-demand video, but you can find the drush slides, which you see on your screen right here. And you can also find the notes that we put together for this particular subject. Right now, there's over 30 pages of notes there, a lot more than we can put in one drosh without making it a weekend summit. So go down below, click on that link, and it'll take you directly to the post for this drosh or this teaching. Otherwise, you can always go directly to www.godhonesttruth.com and click on the link for this post to get all that information as well. So before we start out, let's ask a quick question. What is the day of worship? Now, some people say that it's the first day of the week. Some people say it's the seventh day of the week. I think maybe even Muslims maybe say it's the sixth day of the week. But what is the day of worship? Well, the truth is the day of worship is every moment of every day. Because worship is not something we just do when we get together in fellowship. But again, what is worship? If we're to do it every day, if we're to worship every moment of every day, what is worship? You keep using the word. I do not think it means what you think it means. Well, if we were to look at a modern understanding of what worship is, we go to something like a dictionary. For instance, Merriman-Webster says this, Worship is to honor or show reverence for as a divine being or supernatural power. Or, number two, to regard with great or extravagant respect, honor, or devotion. Now, it also goes down to put in the entry for a noun, but we're looking at worship as a verb, as something you do. Now, most people would nowadays would consider worship to be that first entry as something that's only done to a divine being, in our case, to God, to Yahweh. That's what worship is. However, take a look at that second entry right there where it says, to regard with great or extravagant respect, honor, or devotion. Now, we don't normally think of that nowadays and when we think of worship except maybe in terms of God. But we don't think of it in terms of anyone else. But as we go through tonight's drosh, and as we go through tonight's scripture, keep the second definition of worship in mind. Now, if we go on to the Encyclopedia Britannica, it states, Worship broadly defined the response to the appearance of that which is accepted as holy, that is, to a sacred power or being. This just boils it down into what most people in modernity think of as worship, is that worship is only to God and in response to God. However, a lot of times in our congregations, in our churches today, we say the phrase praise and worship. We kind of conflate the two, thinking that praise and worship is the same thing. However, just to denote real quick, this is not a drosh on praise. But just to highlight the differences between praise and worship, praise is something different. According to Merriam-Webster, it states, praise is to express a favorable judgment of, or to commend. Or number two, to glorify either a god or a saint, especially by the attribution of perfections. By an expression of approval, worship, value, merit, one that is praised, right? In our modern understanding of praise, and again, we're not going to get into scripture on praise. That could be another drosh. We're just focused on worship today. But in modernity, we consider praise to be something that can be done to Yahweh, God. It can be done to other people. We can praise our children, our coworkers, family members, whatever. Praise is something that can be done to a number of people in a number of different situations. Cambridge Dictionary on praise states, it's a verb to express admiration or approval 
of the achievements or characteristics of a person or thing. Now, praise can be incorporated into worship, but worship is not the same thing as praise. Let's go ahead and get that from the get-go, that praise and worship are not the same things. They're not synonyms for each other. So let's look at scripture real quick and starting on worship and starting out in the very first of the Ten Commandments, Exodus chapter 20, verses 1 through 5. And Elohim spoke all these words, saying, I am Yahweh, your Elohim, who brought you out of the land of Mitzrayim, out of the house of slavery. You have no other mighty ones against my face. You do not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of that which is in the heavens above or which is in the earth beneath or which is in the waters under the earth. You do not bow down to them nor serve them. For I, Yahweh, your Elohim, am a jealous El, visiting the crookedness of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me. Everyone pretty much knows this by now. But notice here it's talking about making an image, a man-made image or idol, and not to bow down to them nor to serve them. Okay, well, there's no word here for worship, right? Ah, you think that, but pay attention as we go through tonight. And I should have said this at the beginning. Make sure to have your notes ready. Pen, your paper, there's going to be a lot to go to take down in your notes. And again, like always, go to the post for the Strash to get even more notes. And we highly advise you, like always, to continue your study in this subject even after this Strash. Again, Luke 4, 8. And Yeshua answering him said, Get behind me, Satan, for it has been written, You shall worship Yahweh your Elohim, and him only you shall serve. Keep that in mind too. Just like in the first commandment we read there, the first of the Ten Commandments. Here again, we have two different terms to take notice of. And this is, you shall worship Yahweh your Elohim, and him only you shall serve. So keep that in mind too, as we go through this drosh on what is worship. Now, the modern understanding, again, are that we are to worship God alone and nothing, not even anyone else, is to be worshipped. However, we also say something to the effect of, well, I'm proud of you. I'm proud of what you did, even though Scripture speaks against pride. We read in Proverbs 8.13, The fear of Yahweh is to hate evil. I have hated pride and arrogance and the evil way and the perverse mouth. In the pride of his face, the wrongdoer does not seek him. In all his thoughts, there is no Elohim. Before destruction comes pride. And before I fall, a haughty spirit. Better to be lowly in spirit with the poor than to divide the spoil with the proud. So, we say that we are proud of someone or even something sometimes, but Scripture speaks against pride. Now, this is not a drosh on pride or being proud. This is to illustrate that our modern understanding can be different in regards to some words than what Scripture says. Like, we could understand something like pride or worship in one way, but Scripture would use something like pride or worship in a completely different way. So there's like a it's like an issue of being lost in translation, as it were, because we don't understand the original language in which it was written down in, and we also don't understand the cultural norms and practices of the time. And a lot of times we don't even understand how it is we got our own language and the change in words. So in order to understand worship and have a better grasp of what worship actually is, we need to have a firm foundation about how Scripture 
uses and defines the word worship. In Genesis 33.3, we see here, And Jacob went before and worshipped lowly to the earth seven times till his brother Esau nigh, or came near. This is from the Wycliffe translation. Okay, so Jacob was worshipping Esau? I mean, that sounds absolutely horrendous and heretical to us nowadays with our modern understanding of worship. So was he worshiping Esau in the way that we understand worship to be? Well, other translations of Genesis 33, 3 state such. In the Brenton translation, it states, but he advanced himself before them and did reverence to the ground seven times until he drew near to his brother. The CLV states, and he passes before them and is prostrating himself to the earth seven times till he is close to his brother. And here is the more original Wycliffe translation. It's a little bit more hard to read when you get into the way they wrote letters and stuff. But it says, and Jacob yid before and worshiped lowly to earth seven times till his brother nigh. But notice how that word there, worship, looks. We'll take a look at that in just a moment. And he passed, and this is from the Scriptures 2009 version, which we commonly use. And he passed over before them and bowed himself to the ground seven times until he came near to his brother. So, this one word here, in the Hebrew, it's Strong's H7812. In the Septuagint, it's Strong's G4352. But here, this original word can be translated in a multiplicity of ways. In the Wycliffe, it was translated as worshipped. In the CLV, it was translated as prostrated. In the Brenton, it's translated as did reverence. And then in the uh, Scriptures 2009 translation, it's translated as bowed. So which one is correct, or are they all correct? Think about where we get our words from, especially in English. Other languages, you have to do your own study on this subject, but as far as the etymology of worship, as how it comes down to us, we think of worship as something that's only done to God. But however, in the English language, that wasn't always the definition for worship. We get the suffix ship from the English word or English suffix that means uh, to denote a property or state of being. And then the first part, worth, as something to be honored or esteemed. Eventually they were put on down together to be wordship or worthship, meaning something that is worthy of being respected, something that's worthy of being honored, something that's worthy of being revered. Now, that is in the noun form. So, similarly, in the verb form, worship is showing respect or showing reverence or honor or something like that. It doesn't mean you go up in front of a church and sing a song. That's not the way Scripture uses it. That's not what Scripture means. Scripture uses worship as showing respect or honor to someone. Continuing with the etymology of worship from etymology or etymonline, it states that the Old English worship, worship, Anglian, worship, West Saxon, condition of being worthy, dignity, glory, distinction, honor, renown, from were, worthy, sip, see ship, sense of reverence paid to a supernatural or divine being is first recorded in about 1300. The original sense is preserved in the title Worshipful Honorable. From the etymologgeek.com, English word worship comes from English ship, Old English worth, Old English sight, English worth, and later Old English wordship, meaning honor, worship, the state of being worthy, worthiness. So now we see that even in the original English word, before it got its meaning changed to what we think of it today, is that worship was the state of being honored, okay, or a position to be honored. 
From Encyclopedia Americana, it states that worship is also a title used in Great Britain and some British colonies in addressing certain magistrates. So you'll see certain cultures like Britain, maybe some of their colonies or other cultures, they'll state your worship, referencing a judge, a mayor, governor, someone like that. Someone with a title of respect, in other words. Here in America, we have something similar, but not exact. You go to court, you address the judge as your honor. But it pretty much means the same thing. From the Encyclopedia Britannica, worship, honor, dignity, reverence, respect. In this sense, the term worship is also used as a title of honor in speaking of or addressing other persons of position. Thus, a mayor is spoken of as his worship the mayor or the worshipful mayor. Magistrates are addressed as your worship. So again, even in today's day and time, it's not the American understanding of worship that we commonly think of. It's not just something that's only done to God. Even today, in certain cultures, they still use the word worship to denote someone of respect or to show respect. And this is exactly the way that scripture uses the word worship. Now, quick disclaimer here, for the sake of fitting things on slides during the strash, we had to cut out a lot of things. So please don't think we're trying to hide anything or show it in a light that it's not being shown in originally. Again, go to our notes. The full entry for all this stuff is there with links and references if you want to go outside that and verify too. But like I said, for the sake of space on the slides, we had to cut down a lot of these entries, especially from the encyclopedias, dictionaries, and lexicons, and etc. So again, go to our notes for a more full entry. But this brings us to that Strong's word we referenced before, Strong's H7812. This is the Hebrew word shaha, shaha, and it means, well, first, as it's used in scripture, especially in like the King James, meaning to bow down, that's what shaha, worship, means in scripture, to bow down, to depress, to bow down, prostrate oneself before a superior in homage, before God in worship, before false gods, before angels. Strong's definition says pretty much the same thing means to prostrate, to uh, be an homage to royalty or God, to bow yourself down, crouch, fall down, humbly beseech, make obeisance, do reverence, make to stoop, worship. Okay, so you kind of see the idea here. When thinking about these original words, it's important not to think of a one-to-one, word-to-word translation. Instead, you should think about the meaning in all of its context. Moving on to the Brown Driver Briggs entry for Shaha, and they state it's to bow down, prostrate oneself before a monarch, king, or superior in homage, before God in worship, before other gods, meaning false gods. The Jacinius' Hebrew lexicon, again, pretty much says the same thing, to bow oneself down, to sink down, to be depressed, to prostrate oneself before anyone out of honor, those who used this mode of salutation fell on their knees and touched the ground with their forehead. And this honor was not only shown to superiors, such as kings and princes, but also to equals, showing respect. In worship and a deity, hence to honor God with prayers, even without prostration of body. To do homage, to submit oneself. And then finally, in the ancient Hebrew lexicon definition, again, saying pretty much the same thing to bow down, to make yourself low, to be humble, humble yourself. Fall, stoop, crouch, bow, incline, etc., etc. The Ancient Hebrew Research Center had a fairly good entry on this word worship here. And again, you can find the links in the notes here. But they state, whenever the Hebrew word shaha is used as an action towards God, the translators translate this word as worship. But, Whenever the same Hebrew word is used as an action toward another man, the translators translate this word as obeisance, to bow or bow down. 
As you can see, the translators are preventing the reader from viewing the text in its proper Hebraic context. The concept of worship as defined by Webster's Dictionary is not Hebraic in any way and is not found in the Bible. While there is nothing wrong with worship in the sense that we normally understand this word, we should recognize that it is not a biblical concept. We can do one of two things. We can remove the word worship from our vocabulary and replace it with bow down, or we can use the word worship but recognize that it does not mean what we have always assumed it to mean. And that's what you're going to find out in tonight's drosh, that the way that the Bible, the way that scriptures uses this word worship in the English translation is not the way scripture is using it. Now, we've just looked at the Hebrew word, or I'm sorry, let me clarify, one of the Hebrew words, but probably like the main Hebrew word. Again, there's a whole lot more on the notes. Go check that out. Link in the description down below. But this is the Hebrew word, the main Hebrew word, shahat. So we've got a pretty good grasp on understanding what shahat is. It means to bow down, to prostrate, to humble yourself, to show respect, pay homage, do obeisance. It's showing respect to someone. Now, when we get into the Greek, the Greek word is going to be the Strong's G4352. And this is the word proskuneo. The verses we looked at so far, if you look at those in the Septuagint, they use this word proskuneo. And proskuneo is used a lot in the Brit Hadashah, or aka New Testament, also. But Strong's definition for proskuneo states a probable derivative of whatever meaning to kiss like a dog licking his master's hand, to fawn or crouch to, fawn or crouch to, literally or figuratively prostrate oneself in homage, do reverence to, adore, worship. Notice here that it's stating proskuneo is pretty much like that word shaha, meaning to prostrate or bow down in homage, in respect. The Greek-English lexicon of the New Testament states, to express by attitude and possibly by one's, by position one's own allegiance to and regard for deity, to prostrate oneself in worship, to bow down and worship, to worship. Okay, again, I know it's got the word worship in there, but keep in mind how scripture uses the word worship and it's also stating the meaning is to bow down, to prostrate one's self. Going on to the Thayer's Greek lexicon, it says very often to prostrate oneself, properly to kiss the hand toward one in token of reverence. Among the Orientals, especially the Persians, to fall upon the knees and touch the ground with a forehead as an expression of profound reverence. In the New Testament, by kneeling or prostration to do homage, or make obeisance, whether in order to express respect or to make supplication. It is used of homage shown to men of superior rank, the Egyptian custom of bowing upon the magistrate's staff of office and taking an oath, of homage rendered to God and the ascended Christ, to heavenly beings and to demons. So again, we got this context and the meaning, proskuneo, of bowing down to showing respect prostrating yourself. But again, the concept, the meaning here is to show respect. Also, something's going to be important later on. It states here that among the Orientals, I would rephrase that as say among Semitic cultures of the Middle East. But more on that later. From the call to worship, the biblical foundations of our response by Vernon Whaley. He states, in the Greek, the word for worship proskuneo means to express deep respect or adoration by kissing with words or by bowing down. Associated words include epaneo, to command or applaud, aneo, to praise God, and sebomai. And again, there's a lot more Greek words that we have in our notes that aren't included in tonight's drosh. Go check those out for further information and further education. But again, here he's stating the same thing, that even in the Greek, just like in the Hebrew, this word proskuneo, meaning to 
bow down and express deep respect or adoration. Proskuneo meaning showing respect. Physically, that can be in a number of ways. Where bowing down with your face on the ground to show respect, kneeling down to show respect, kissing their hand to show respect, or bowing like you would see some of the those in Asian countries nowadays do. Those are the actions you can take, but the meaning behind it is showing respect. In his book, Truth in Translation, Jason David Badoon states this, The prostrations made to Jesus fit with the cultural attitudes. They are gestures of respect made to a superior, either the in either the spiritual, social, or political sense. In every case, we are dealing with a physical gesture that was used more broadly than just the context of worship. The simple translation prostrate, or do homage, or do obeisance, is certainly correct, since such acts of worship are made to others besides Jesus in the New Testament. And Jesus even tells a story in which such a gesture is made to an ordinary person. We can rule out the idea that prostration means worship in the modern sense of the English word. Few Christians still incorporate prostrations into their worship of God, and the prostrations once due to kings and other high officials have been refined into graceful bows and curtsies. The world of the Bible was quite different, and if we forget that fact, we are apt to misunderstand what is on the page in front of us. And that is so true. If we forget that the culture of the day back then was drastically different than the culture of today in more than one way. If we forget that fact, that culture was different, then we get lost in translation like we do with the word worship. And a lot of times when we see the word worship in our Bibles, it simply means to show respect, show honor, to bow down in respect. This is a very important point too, because I believe that modern Christianity and our modern world has more of a Greek mindset than a Hebraic mindset. And there's lots of differences there. One of those differences being in how we perceive this act of bowing down or kneeling down before someone. This is from the Wikipedia entry, and it states, to the Greeks giving proskinesis to a mortal was seen as barbaric and ludicrous. In his Anabasis, Xenophon writes or cites the Greek refusal to perform proskinesis as a sign of their freedom, distinguishing them from the Persians. For to no human creature do you pay homage as master, but to the gods alone. Alexander the Great proposed this practice during his lifetime in adapting to the local customs of the Persian areas he conquered, but it was not accepted by his Greek companions. He later did not insist on the practice. Most of his men could cope with Alexander's interest for having a Persian wardrobe, but honoring the king as if he was a god with proskinesis went a bit too far. According to Arian, Callisthenes explains the existence of separated ways of honoring a god or a human and that prostration is a way to explicitly honor gods. According to Callisthenes, prostration was a foreign and degrading fashion. So the Greeks, in their Greek mindset, absolutely would not ever kneel down or bow down before a human. The Hellenistic mindset thought that you only bowed down before a deity, one of their gods. But you did not in any manner whatsoever bow down in front of a human being. However, in the Semitic cultures like the Persians, as we're reading about here, and also the Hebrews, bowing down was something that you did, yes, to Yahweh, but you also did it to other people, as we saw with Jacob to Esau and showing respect. You bow down to Yahweh to show respect. You bow down to other people to show respect. You bow down to someone in a higher rank, like a king, to show respect. And we'll see that later on, too. But bowing down in respect, showing respect... Is something that's done to more than just Yahweh. It's done to lots of different people. 
And we'll show you that later in some more scriptures. But just understand that, that when you translate bow down to worship, that creates a error in translation and a misunderstanding given how we think of worship today. Now, we just discussed that there's a difference between the Semitic and Greek mindset, or between the Hebraic and Hellenistic mindset, okay? But we've already showed you from Scripture how Jacob bowed down in respect to show honor to Esau. Jacob did that to Esau. We've already seen that. So we can have that one verse to start the foundation to establish that it was done amongst the Hebrews of our scriptures. It was also done to other people, and we have more references like that too. Take a look at 1 Chronicles chapter 29, verse 20. Now, in the King James Version, it states it like this. And David said to all the congregation, Now bless the Lord your God, and all the congregation blessed the Lord God of their fathers, and bowed down their heads, and worshipped the Lord and the king. So if we think of worship as something that's only to be done to Yahweh, something that's only to be done to God, this presents a contradiction, a paradox, if you will, of worldviews. But when we understand exactly how Scripture is using this word, shaha, or proskuneo, we understand that that means showing respect or giving honor or respect to someone, then it makes perfect sense and there's no contradiction. For instance, in the ESV, it states this, Then David said to all the assembly, Bless the Lord your God, and all the assembly bless the Lord, the God of their fathers, and bowed their heads and paid homage to the Lord and to the king. In the Scriptures 2009 version, And Dawid said to all the assembly, now bless Yahweh your Elohim, and all the assembly blessed Yahweh Elohim of their fathers, and bowed their heads and did obeisance to Yahweh and the Sovereign. Again, shalha or proskuneo simply means to show or give respect. So, just to recap what we've went over and learned in this first section here, that what we consider nowadays to be worship is not what was going on most of the time in Scripture. Jacob wasn't worshiping Esau in the way we think of worship. The people weren't worshiping King Dawid as we think of worship. No. Scripture uses it as giving respect. And we can see that Shaha and Proskuneo, or bowing down, that was used in Scripture was done so as an act of reverence, respect, or showing honor. And that Shaha proskuneo or bowing down can be done to both Yahweh and human beings. Something you remember from the first commandment we read is that you do not shalha, you do not proskuneo, you do not bow down to a carved image, to an idol. More on that later. So now that we understand what shalha and proskuneo is, and that can be done to both Yahweh and to human beings, what well, does that mean that our, what we think of as worship is absolutely meaningless and we can worship anyone and everything whenever we want and however we want? No. There are also terms used within Scripture that are only used of Yahweh, especially in the Greek, and we're about to get into that. So there is a term and a custom in Scripture meant for as a divine worship, as a divine service, more importantly, as obedience. That would be the divine worship, the kind of worship that we would think of today. Again, Exodus chapter 20, verses 1 through 5. And Elohim spoke all these words, saying, I am Yahweh your Elohim who brought you out of the land of Mitzrayim, out of the house of slavery. You have no other mighty ones against my face. You do not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of that which is in the heavens above or which is in the earth beneath or which is in the waters under the earth. 
You do not bow down to them, Shaha. You do not bow down to them, nor serve them. For I, Yahweh, your Elohim, am a jealous El, visiting the crookedness of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me. Now, we've already looked at bow down, okay? We've got that. We've got Shaha and proskuneo, and that it means to show respect. So again, not to beat a dead horse, but we do not shaha proskuneo or bow down or give respect and honor to a carved image. The second word here where it says that you are not to serve them. The word used here in Hebrew is Strong's H5647, and that's the word avad. In the Septuagint, it's the Greek word latreo. And these are the two words we're going to focus on now to understand what divine worship is. It's only done to Yahweh. The Hebrew word avad, or avad, is Strong's H5647, avad. It means to work by implication to serve, till, enslave, be, keep in bondage, be bondman, bond service, compel, do, dress, ear, execute, husbandman, keep, labor, serve, servant, do service, till transgress, work, be wrought, worshiper. So this is starting to get into what we think of nowadays as worship. Jacinus' Hebrew lexicon, to labor, to work, to do work, to bestow labor on anything, to till a field, to serve, to work for another, to serve God or idols, to worship God or idols with two accusatives, to serve Jehovah with anything, i.e. to offer sacrifice, to impose labor or servitude upon anyone. So now we're getting into this word av avad, and we get the concept and the meaning of service to. From the Brown Driver Briggs entry for avad, work, slave, slave, vassal, serve, perform acts of worship, worship, obey, slave, worshiper, thinks, be slave, serve, and enslave, till the ground, serve military service against, work for another, serve him by labor, etc., etc. But again, you get that whole concept of serve there. We're to serve Yahweh and Him alone as God. But you also see from the Brown Driver Briggs, this is something important to keep in mind too. Obey. From the Jastral's Dictionary of the Targum for Avad. To serve, work for, to do priestly service. To prepare, to till the ground, to dress to use especially for idolaters' purposes, to worship, to be prepared, dressed, to be used, especially for illicit purposes, to be worshipped. And then the ancient Hebrew lexicon pretty much goes on to say the same thing. Servant, servitude, service, work, affair, service, serve, etc., etc. Now notice here it says in the very first entry, it says a work performed or made for another out of obligation, requirement, or gratitude. In other words, obey, as it says here. And that would definitely be in how we think of worship today is gratitude for Yahweh, but also obeying Yahweh, serving Yahweh by obeying him, doing what he tells us to do. That is worship. We go on to Strong's G3000. Latreu, Latreu. But here in Strong's definition, it says of Latreu, a hired menial to minister, i.e. render religious homage, serve, do the service, worshiper. The Greek English lexicon of the New Testament states for Latreu, to perform religious rites as a part of worship, to perform religious rites, to worship, to venerate worship, that's Latreu. For the Thayer's Greek lexicon entry on Latreu, a hireling to serve for hire, universally to serve, minister to other gods or men, and used alike of slaves and of free men. In the New Testament, to render religious service or homage to worship of the worship of idols with the spirit or soul, absolutely to worship God in the strict sense to perform sacred services, to offer gifts, to worship God in the observance of the rites instituted for his worship. 
absolutely specifically of the priest to officiate to discharge the sacred office with a dative of the sacred thing to which the service is rendered. Notice in several of these lexicons and dictionaries, it brings up the issue, or I'm sorry, the mention of the priest doing the service. Well, the service itself, or in and of itself, is not worship, but doing them because they were instructed to do them, and in the way they were instructed to do them, that is worship because it's obedience. It's serving Yahweh in the way he told us to do it. It's being obedient to Yahweh. That's our service to him. So let's look at Luke 4, 8 again. And here it says, And Yeshua answering him said, Get behind me, Satan, for it has been written, You shall worship, proskuneo, Yahweh your Elohim, and him only you shall serve, Latreu. So we've got both of these words here. The first one, meaning to pay respect and honor, do homage, bow down, prostrate. And the second one, serve, meaning divine worship, to serve, to obey, to do what we're told he tells us to do. And here, Yeshua is telling him, he's like, you should honor and respect your Elohim, and him only you shall worship, no one else. In various translations, we see from the Tyndale translation on this verse, and it says, Jesus answered him and said, Hence from me, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt honor the Lord thy God, and him only serve. So you notice that first word they render as honor. We go to the highways, and it reads, And Jesus answering him said, Get thee behind me, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and to him alone thou shalt pay divine honor. In the revised Young's Literal Translation, it states this, And Jesus answering him said, Get you behind me, adversary, for it has been written, You shall bow before the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. From the JMNT Translation, And so, given a decided answer, Jesus said to him, Go submissively, or sink down, behind me, adversary. It has been written, you will continue being bowing down in homage and worship to the Lord Yahweh your God. And to him alone, you will continue giving public sacred service. Sacred service, divine service, divine worship. Jesus answered, oh, this is the Good Speed translation. But for Luke 4, 8, it reads, Jesus answered, the scripture says you must do homage before the Lord your God and Worship him alone. So this is more true to the original Greek. The first word being homage, showing respect. The last word being worship, service to. Because that's what we would think of as latreo today. Or I'm sorry, that's what we would think of in our modern understanding of worship, latreo. Some divine worship, divine service, divine obedience that's only done to Yahweh and no one else. No man, no idol, no demon, only to Yahweh. That's what we would think of in our modern understanding of worship. So just to recap what we've learned here in this section real quick. Avad, or Arvad in Hebrew, and Latreu in the Greek, or what we nowadays would think of as worship when we think of worship and the meaning behind it. Avad and Latreu is the type of divine service or obedience that is rendered to Yahweh and no one else. No other God, no man, no idol, nothing. That's what we think of as worship and that's what Latreu means. That kind of divine service, divine worship. So now that we've learned about Avad and Latreu and Shaha and Proskuneo, how do we put this all together to have a fuller, more complete understanding of worship, especially as how it's used in Scripture? 
One more time, let's go back to Exodus chapter 20, verses 1 through 5. And Elohim spoke all these words, saying, I am Yahweh your Elohim, who brought you out of the land of Mitzrayim. Out of the house of slavery, you have no other mighty ones against my face. You do not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of that which is in the heavens above or which is in the earth beneath or which is in the waters under the earth. You do not bow down or prostrate yourselves to them, nor serve or worship them. For I, Yahweh, your Elohim, am a jealous El, visiting the crookedness of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me. So we've already covered this, but just to go over it one more time, he's telling them that the carved man-made images, the idols, or anything in the heavens above, birds, planets and stars, sun and moon, or which is in the earth beneath, or in the waters under the earth, nothing like that are you to give respect and show honor to, nor are you to worship them. You're not to give them any kind of divine worship like you would do to Yahweh. You're not to serve them or worship them. Only Yahweh you are to serve and worship. Again, with a better understanding, let's look at Luke chapter 4, verse 8. And Yeshua answering him said, Get behind me, Satan, for it has been written, You shall worship or bow down, render honor to, give respect. You shall give respect to Yahweh your Elohim, and him only you shall serve or worship, be obedient to. See, now we've got a fuller, more complete understanding of how the author of Luke meant for this to be taken in his own words, in his own meanings, as it were. Romans 12.1 I call upon you, therefore, brothers, through the compassion of your Elohim, to present your bodies a living offering, set apart and well-pleasing to Elohim, your reasonable worship. Deuteronomy 10, 20 and 21. Fear Yahweh your Elohim, serve Him, worship Him, and cling to Him, and swear by His name. He is your praise, and He is your Elohim, who has done for you these great and awesome deeds which your eyes have seen. Deuteronomy 6, 13. Fear Yahweh your Elohim and serve him and swear by his name. Again, fear Yahweh your Elohim and serve him. Worship him and swear by his name. Deuteronomy 11, 13-14 And it shall be that if you diligently obey my commands, which I command you today, to love Yahweh your Elohim and to serve him, with all your heart and with all your being. Then I shall give you the rain for your land in its season, the early rain and the latter rain, and you shall gather in your grain and your new wine and your oil. So how is it that we are to truly worship Yahweh? This passage gives us a great understanding of that. How are we to actually worship Yahweh in the sense that we think of worship today? Here it says that we are to obey his commands. We are to love Yahweh, to serve him with all of our heart and with all of our being. That's how we worship Yahweh. Deuteronomy 11, 26 through 28. See, I am setting before you today a blessing and a curse. The blessing when you obey the commands of Yahweh your Elohim, which I command you today, and the curse if you do not obey the commands of Yahweh your Elohim. But turn aside from the way which I command you today to go after other mighty ones, which you have not known. So again, the biblical understanding and meaning of worship is to be only done to Yahweh. We're only to obey and serve Yahweh in the way he wants us to, and not do it in a different way, in our own way, and we're certainly not to go obey and serve other false gods, other man-made objects and idols, or the things in the sky, the planets like the pagans did, or the sun and moon like the pagans did. No, we are to serve and obey Yahweh. That is worship of Yahweh. That's the scriptural understanding of worship.
So in conclusion, here are some things that we can take away from how scripture means and presents both prostration, showing respect to, and worshiping as it's used in scripture anyways. So we can see that shaha or proskaneo means bowing down, and that was done in scripture to show respect, to give obeisance, to show honor. That's the meaning of shaha and proskaneo. And that shaha, proskaneo, or bowing down, can be done to both Yahweh and human beings. We saw that in just a few verses that we presented on screen. There's a lot more than that. But shaha and proskaneo, bowing down, showing respect to, that can be done to both Yahweh and human beings. We saw that avad and latreo are what we nowadays think of as worship when we think of that word worship. And avad and latreo is the type of divine service or divine worship, the divine obedience that's rendered to Yahweh and Yahweh alone, not anyone else, no other God, no other image or idol, no creature, no man, no planets, no stars, no moon, sun, nothing like that. Latreo, divine worship, divine service, divine obedience, only done to Yahweh, or should be only done to Yahweh. And that true worship of Yahweh is in fearing him, respecting him, following his commands, obedience, and loving him with all of our heart and all of our being. That is what worship is, and that is just the God-honest truth. Thank you for joining us for another production from God-Honest Truth Ministries. We hope that we have been of service to you, and if you have any feedback, then please reach out to us by email. And make sure to visit our website at GodHonestTruth.com for more information, resources, and contact.